Go ahead and grab a Bible and find Acts, uh, Exodus. Sorry, I said Acts for 18 months. We finished Acts a couple weeks ago. Uh, so we are now in Exodus, Exodus chapter 2. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, go ahead and grab one up here. Uh, there's a bucket of them. Looks like there's some people who need one. If you don't have one, you need one. Exodus chapter 2 is where we're going to be. Uh, one of our core values as a church is the next generation. Uh, and what that means to us is not only kids, which we have a bunch of kids here. You saw our VBS finale a couple weeks back when we had the kids up on stage and singing. We invest heavily in our kids, but also uh, training up and discipling uh, the next generation of leaders. And so one of the ways we do that is we give uh, gifted young men opportunities to teach the Word of God. And so we're going to hear from one of them this morning. Uh, and his name is Seth, and I'm excited that he's here. So come on up, Seth. Woo! Well, good morning, Riverstone Chapel. Um, it's honestly so good to be here with you guys. It's a joy and an honor, and I'm super blessed to be here. Um, I just want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you for being a church that loves and accepting. Me and my wife just moved here about two, three months ago, and as soon as we walked into the doors, we've been met with just so much love, and the love of Jesus is in this place. So we thank you guys so much for that. Um, if you don't know who, I'm, who I am, my name is Seth, um, my wife Tegan in the back. And yeah, we're just super stoked to be here in Spokane. We immediately fell in love with it, and we love this church, and we thank you guys for everything you've done for us. Um, the families we've met in this church have already become a rock for us. So we thank you for that. Thank you for, be, for being obedient to the Lord in that. Um, Exodus chapter 2 is where we're going to be. We're going to continue this. Let me sit down over here. We're going to continue this um, journey through the book of Exodus. So I'm going to read it, pray, and then we'll just jump right into it. So the book of Exodus chapter 2, starting in verse 1, the word of God says this. Now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son, and when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch. She put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. And his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young woman walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman, and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child, and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, This is one of the Hebrews' children. Then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, Shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Go. So the girl went and called the child's mother, and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, Take this child away and nurse him for me, and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him, and when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter, and he became her son. She named him Moses because she, she said, I drew him out of the water. So we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your faithfulness, and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us to that this morning. And Lord, the stories that are in this place of you delivering people and you being good to people, Lord, it is such an encouragement to me and to everyone else. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open up the eyes of our hearts to see you for who you are and to see us for who we are in you, Jesus. So I thank you for this church, Lord. Thank you for your, your people. 
And I just pray, Lord, that you would speak through me. You would use um, what I have um, to edify your people. And God, I just pray that you would be glorified in this moment. And uh, yeah, Jesus, we thank you for your goodness. And we want to be a people that respond to that goodness. So go before us. And we praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. A place that once represented abundance and comfort has now shifted to represent a place of slavery and oppression. This is where the people of Israel have found themselves to be, Egypt. No longer a place of fruitfulness, but a place of great hardship. And this shift for them, remember, didn't happen because they did something to deserve such a life, but because the Pharaoh, the king, that the king was operating through his fears and insecurities, his fear that these Hebrew people were becoming way too mighty and way too many for them to handle if worse comes to worse. So what does he do? He puts the people of he puts the people of Israel under ruthless slavery and commands that every male Hebrew child be killed by throwing them into the Nile River. It's a pretty rough start for the people of Israel. And this is where we left off, a command to kill every Hebrew child. But as we saw last week, when Pharaoh brought the command, brought the command to the Hebrew midwives and told them to kill every male child they see, they refused to obey and they chose to trust God and to fear the Lord. And God did something awesome. And this is what he did in verse 20 of chapter one. It says, so God dealt well with the midwives. And the people multiplied and grew very strong. And because the midwives feared God, he gave them families. So the story of Exodus starts with slavery and oppression for the people of Israel, but it no doubt continues with God being faithful and good to his people. And as we continue through this book, that's exactly what we're going to see. God's goodness and his faithfulness to the Hebrew people. And chapter two continues that faithfulness as we see God working through the birth of Moses and how he, honestly, how he orchestrates one of the most beautiful stories in all of scripture. And this is, how, this is the beginning of that story. In verse one, it says, now a man from the house of Levi went and took as his wife a Levite woman. The woman conceived and bore a son. And when she saw that he was a fine child, she hid him three months. Now, the names of this man and woman aren't mentioned in Exodus chapter 2, but they are mentioned later in Exodus 6, and it tells us that their names are Amram and Jochebed. And if you're, if you're confused how I was confused, Amram being the father of Moses and Jochebed being the mother of Moses, and these two come together, have a baby, and later that, baby's name is, that baby is named Moses. But I want us to, again, consider the world that this baby was just born into. As of right now, the Hebrew people are under ruthless slavery, and there's an order from Pharaoh that all male children are to be thrown into the Nile River. This is the world that this baby was just born into, and it's not looking very hopeful. Immediately, the odds for Moses living a decent life in Egypt are not in his favor whatsoever. But I do want to point out that I believe one thing that is pointing to Moses' favor is that his parents fear the Lord. The, the one thing that Moses has got going for him is that his parents hold the things of God higher than the decree from Pharaoh. So yes, Moses was born into this crazy world, but he was also born into a household that feared the Lord. And it is by faith, the Bible tells us, 
that she made the decision to hide this baby away. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 says, by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. And before we make Moses the star of the story, remember there is no Moses if it wasn't for his parents' faith. Right, like there is no great Moses story if it wasn't for his parents first fearing the Lord. There are no Ten Commandments or crossing the Red Sea or all this crazy stuff if it did not start with the faith of his parents. And just like the midwives that we saw in chapter one, making the decision to honor the Lord and to trust him, we see the same faith and trust being demonstrated by his parents. Refusing to give their child up to Egypt and choosing to trust God, refusing to live in fear of Pharaoh and choosing to fear the Lord. This is what Moses has got in his favor. His parents fear God. This is the type of household that he was born into. And I'm, I'm not a parent, but I do have parents that have later come to know of Jesus in my early teenage years. And at the time, one of the most frustrating things my parents would say to me is, you'll thank me later. I You'll thank me later. I got that constantly, whether that was dropping me off at youth group where I didn't want to go or discipline me for something dumb I've done, right? My parents would always say, you'll thank me later. What is that? I don't even know what that means. And at the time, it was the most infuriating thing. Like, what? I'll thank you later. And at the time, I never thought that this would be considered a gift from God, but it totally is. And I just want to say, I think one of the greatest gifts you can give your children is you by living by faith and fearing the Lord. And I'm not saying that the greatest gift is you making your kids do stuff, because I think that's, that's probably not a great idea either. But I am saying, I think one of the greatest gifts is the way that you live your life and the integrity you have and the fear that you have for the Lord, that has the potential to speak volumes to your children because it certainly did for me. When my parents would make the decision to, to fear God and to honor him and to follow him, that spoke to my little rebellious heart. And I saw what the Lord was doing through my parents. And later on, I still remember those times when, when my mom and my dad were choosing to honor the Lord and to hold the things of God higher than the things of the world. And it changed me. So this does have the potential to change your kids. And I don't have kids, so you don't have to listen to me, but that's what it did for me. Um, it certainly did it for me. And Moses' parents feared the Lord. This is the household that he was brought up, and they were, not, uh, they were not afraid of the king's command. They chose to honor the Lord. They chose to fear, to fear Jesus, and by faith, they chose to trust God. So the story of Moses starts with his parents fearing the Lord. This in, and this indeed was an act of faith, but you can't hide a three-month-old forever. And so in verse 3, it says, When she could hide him no longer, she took for him a basket made of bulrushes and dabbed it with bitumen and pitch, and she put the child in it and placed it among the reeds by the riverbank. So the story continues. They've been hiding this baby away for, for three months, and it gets to the point where they could no longer hide him. And you can say, interesting, that the king's command was literally fulfilled because Moses did end up in the Nile River, but first his mom made him a little boat, 
or put them in, put them in a little basket and put them down the river. Now, I don't, I don't know what was going through his mother's head when she made the decision to put him in the river, but I do wonder if she was thinking that this was going to be goodbye forever, right? Like, if it was an act of faith to, to hide the baby away for three months, I, I think it was certainly an act of faith to put him in the river as well. And my guess is that it probably took a good amount. By Jochebed, Jochebed, Moses' mother, placing Moses in the river, she's saying, okay, God, I'm going to continue to trust you that you are going to take care of this baby. Lord, if you really have a plan with my baby and you're going to use him later for your, for your purpose, God, I'm going to trust you that you are going to take care of him. Moses' mother is in a situation where she almost has no choice but to trust God. And if you're ever in a situation where you have zero control and the only choice that you have is to trust God, that's where God usually shows up the most and where he do the most extraordinary things, right? And in fact, all throughout the Bible, when we see the people of God putting their trust and faith in God, God usually shows up. And it's almost always in a way that you will not expect, Total reliance on God can be a scary place, but it's also a good place to be because it has the potential for God to do something extraordinary. And this is where God can show up the most. And Moses' mother is in that very situation where everything fell out of her control when she put her baby in the river. And so, but God does indeed show up. Look what God does in verse four. It says, and his sister stood at a distance to know what would be done to him. Now the daughter of Pharaoh came down to bathe at the river while her young woman walked beside the river. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her servant woman and she took it. When she opened it, she saw the child and behold, the baby was crying. She took pity on him and said, this is one of the Hebrews' children. Moses' mother didn't know the fate of her child when she, when she let him down the river. But at the right time, Pharaoh's daughter walked down to the river, saw a basket among the reeds, and inside of it was a crying baby. And look what it says. It says, and she took pity on him. Or another translation, she had compassion for the baby. Remember that this is the daughter of, of Pharaoh. The guy that said drown all the male babies, yet yeah, that guy's daughter had compassion for the baby. She didn't look at the baby and say, oh, it's, it's a Hebrew, toss him back in the water. No, she had compassion for the boy. And even though she was emerged in a culture, in an upbringing to oppress the Hebrew people, she looks at this baby with pity and she knows that it's a Hebrew, she knows that it's a Hebrew baby and she has compassion for him. And we don't know if this compassion came from natural instincts of a woman just wanting to nurture a crying baby or if supernaturally God put this compassion in her, in her at the right time. Either way, God used the compassion from Pharaoh's daughter to accomplish his will. And so this is the story that God is building. God does have a plan for Moses and he is going to use him to edify his people and to set his people free. And this is the type of story that God is building. Moses' fate should have looked like him drowning in the river, but God used the compassion from Pharaoh's daughter. And you would think this means instant death, but it wasn't. 
And so while all of this is happening, Moses' Moses's sister, which her name is Miriam, we find out later, is standing in the distance watching all of this happen, it says in verse 7, then his sister said to Pharaoh's daughter, shall I go and call you a nurse from the Hebrew women to nurse the child for you? And Pharaoh's daughter said to her, go. So the girl went and called the child's mother and Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this child away and nurse him for me and I will give you your wages. So the woman took the child and nursed him. And when the child grew older, she brought him to Pharaoh's daughter and he became her son. She named him Moses because she, because she said, I drew him out of the water. Moses' fate was supposed to look like death according to Pharaoh's command, but God had a, had a totally different plan. And I hope you realize that only God can write a story like this. Only, only God can take a certain situation and totally flip it upside down because this is one of the most incredible things. It went from Moses' parents having to hide him for three months and then sending him down on a river on a little boat and then Pharaoh's daughter then finding him and having compassion on him and then Pharaoh's daughter giving his sister permission to get a Hebrew woman to nurse the child for her and just to put the cherry on the top of this whole situation, his sister calling their mother to nurse the child for her and getting paid for it. She's literally getting paid to take care of her child that she probably thought she was losing while she put him down the river. And the whole story flips around and now she's getting paid to take care of her child. That is the Lord. Only God can write a story like that. And what God is doing here speaks of his goodness and his faithfulness. I mean, think about the goodness and faithfulness that God showed Jochebed in this moment. Moses' mother, she gets to hold her baby again and to nurse him for a little while longer. It's estimated she probably had about three to five years um, with him before she had to give him back up to Moses. And I don't want to speculate too much, but I do wonder the type of things he was hearing as he was growing up in those short years with his parents. Right, like, the, Jochebed was probably telling the stories of the faithfulness of God, or the story of how they got to Egypt in the first place, or the promise that, that God promised Abraham that he was going to bring them to a place of milk and honey. God was faithful to protect Moses in this moment, and God is faithful to use Moses to do something extraordinary. God, is, God was faithful to protect him, and he is faithful to his promise because it is through this baby Moses who God is going to use to continue the redemption story of his people. And this is essentially what the book of Exodus is, the redemption story of his people. And it is starting with Moses, or it's, excuse me, it's continuing with Moses. This is who God is going to use. So the book of Exodus starts with slavery, but it continues with God's faithfulness to his people. And that's exactly what we are going to be seeing as we continue through the book of Exodus. This God is worth trusting. He is worth worshiping. And he is so good and he is so faithful. And I hope that that is what we can put into our minds, into our hearts. God's faithfulness exceeds every circumstance. And this is exactly what we're seeing through Moses. God is going to use him to set his people free. He is worth trusting. And as I was kind of 
preparing for this, I was thinking about the goodness and the faithfulness of God and what the Lord has and what God has been doing in my life and in my situations and the beginning of just where I come from as well with my parents and saving them and bringing them through and delivering them from everything they got going on and and uh, delivering me and my marriage and everything that God's been doing in my life. It's it's tremendous. And God is faithful and he is worth trusting. Just like Jacobet's mother or his parents trusting God, refusing to give their child up to Egypt, refusing to obey to obey Pharaoh and choosing to com- and choosing to obey the Lord, it's it speaks volumes. And when we step out and we fear the Lord, God can do extraordinary things, and this is exactly what we're seeing happen. God does indeed show up in this situation, and He does change it for His good, and He is going to use it for His glory. And so as we continue through the book of Exodus, that's exactly what we are going to see, God's goodness and his faithfulness. He is so worth trusting. And actually, I actually just want to end it there and have some time to worship at the end. And as we do communion, I just, I just pray that we would remember the faithfulness of the Lord. Like this, like this is why we're here. This is why we do this this church thing, this is why we worship, because God is good and he is faithful. So I'm going to pray. Worship team can come up. And uh, yeah, so we thank you, Jesus, for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, for your goodness. And I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to your people. God, that you would use the, just this real short time that we had, God, to, to soften the hearts of your people and to remind us, Lord, that you are faithful and you are good and you are worth worshiping. And Lord, I pray that we would be a people that respond to your goodness, a people that respond to your faithfulness. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would lead us and you would accomplish your will in Spokane and through Riverstone Chapel. So we thank you, Father, and praise things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, Jesus, uh, on the night before he died, he gathered around with the believers, and he held up a cup, and he held up a piece of bread, and he said, do this in remembrance to me. And it was actually in the story that we're reading about in the book of Exodus. The setting was slavery. The setting was bondage. The setting was despair and and struggle and helplessness. And that's the setting that the people were in when God set his people free and instituted that Passover dinner. And that's the exact dinner that Jesus chose to sit there with the bread and the cup and say, do this in remembrance of me. So the picture is literally exactly what we're talking about in the book of Exodus, like these struggles, these difficulties, these uncertainties, uh, these feelings of hopelessness. Like Seth said, a, a mother hiding her child for three months and, and hoping every day probably that the Egyptians don't bust through the door and then saying, you know what, I can't do this anymore, and letting her baby out on the water in a basket full of reeds. Just, I mean, that's an ama- amazingly hopeless feeling. And 
that's intended to communicate something to us about our hopelessness when we think about our own sin. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you all came to church this morning hoping that I'd make you feel worse, right? But that's the truth. Like, when you think about your sin, there's nothing you can do to fix it. There's nothing you could do to escape it. There's, there's no amount of good things you could do or, or right things you could say or penance that you can build up. Uh, the, the, we're just hopeless. And, and it's in that moment that God reaches down to save us. And, and that's what we're doing this morning. That's what Jesus was talking about. We said, do this in remembrance of me. Remember that God who moved heaven and earth uh, to make a way for your sins to be forgiven so that he could spend eternity with you forever. Um, and, and we are the people who think that's worth remembering. That's the core of our identity as Christians, is we believe that our God was good enough and, and saved us so that we will continue to remember him for the rest of our lives. And so we're going to do that this morning. Uh, if you're a believer, we definitely would welcome you. Uh, we have some elements up here in the front. Uh, you're free to take it at your own timing. We're going to play four songs. So just so you know how much time you got left, uh, we got four songs worth of worship. You can come up, get the bread and the cup, uh, take it back to your seat, pray with maybe your spouse or maybe your kids are here, or maybe just pray by yourself and, and take the elements when you're ready on your own time. Um, if you're not a believer, uh, we're never a fan of people doing stuff that they don't understand. So no big deal. Uh, we're just going to do this to remember Jesus. And if you're like, hey, uh, I'm not sure about this Jesus guy. Like, don't feel any pressure to do this. Like, that's fine. Uh, or if you feel like today's the day when you're like, no, I understand it. Like, I want to step into that surrendering relationship with Jesus. And I feel like God, this is something God's called me to do. Then give your life to Jesus this morning. Say, this is the day. I've known about this for a while. I've been thinking about this. I've been feeling God pull on my heart. This is the day I want to surrender. And, and remembering what Jesus did for you on the cross and setting you free, this would be a great opportunity to do that. So uh, we're just going to take, a, like I said, four more songs. We're going to worship. Uh, we're going to celebrate communion, remember Jesus, uh, and that's on your own time. So I'm going to pray, uh, and then uh, you can come up when you're ready. Father, we do uh, take this time to remember not only the incredible sacrifice, but the fact that you're always working um, behind the scenes, behind the things that we see going on, behind the even feelings that we're um, experiencing. Lord, you're always moving. You're always pursuing us. You're always working on your people's behalf for our good, Lord. We can never thank you enough for that. I just pray that you would speak to hearts right now as we remember your body that was broken for us and your blood that was shed for us. We proclaim your new covenant until you come again. It's in your name we pray.